I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Commander Jake Hawkins, leader of a Navy SEAL team. The day we received the distress signal from the United States, Navy's most advanced submarine, the U.S. Leviathan, I knew we were in for something beyond our wildest expectations. The Leviathan was a technological marvel capable of reaching the darkest depths of the ocean. Losing it in the vast expanse of the Pacific was a scenario, straight out of a nightmare. Our mission was clear. Investigate and re-establish contact. As we descended into the inky blackness in our own submersible, I couldn't shake off an eerie feeling. The Leviathan had been operating near the Mariana Trench, the deepest part of the world's oceans, a place less explored than the moon itself. We found the Leviathan resting on a seabed. Its lights were out, giving it a ghostly appearance. Our initial onboard exploration only deepened the mystery. There were signs of struggle, but no crew. The further we ventured into the sub, the more bizarre it became. We started finding strange slime, a substance that looked alien and felt alive. 
And then we met the creatures. They were grotesque, like something out of a Lovecraftian tale. Bioluminescent, monstrous beings with too many eyes and a mouth filled with needle-sharp teeth. They were unlike anything I'd seen, and they were hostile. We fought them off, relying on our training and adaptability. Unfortunately, fifteen of our men got killed. But as we delved deeper into the Leviathan, we uncovered something even more shocking. Hidden documents, secret transmissions, and experimental labs suggested a rogue faction within our own military had been studying these creatures, intending to weaponize them. The realization hit us hard. Our own people had opened Pandora's box, and we were left to deal with the consequences. With the Leviathan now, a monstrous hive, and a rogue faction looming, we were in a race against time. We had to destroy the Leviathan, taking the monsters and the secrets it held down with it. But we also needed to get proof something to expose the rogue faction's plans. We fought our way through the monstrous tide, retrieved the evidence we needed, and planted explosives. As we navigated our way out, battling the monstrous creatures, I couldn't help but marvel at the irony. Here we were, the protectors of our nation, fighting a war against an enemy unleashed by our own side. It was a chilling thought, one that would stay with me long after we had escaped the exploding Leviathan. Our mission was successful, but at a heavy price. We lost good men, and our faith in the institution we served was shaken. But we had evidence and a new mission now to expose the rogue faction and stop them from ever using these deep-sea horrors again. For the sake of our fallen comrades in the world, we couldn't afford to fail. I work at sea on a bulk carrier. One time I was on watch at night with one other guy on the lookout for me. He was looking forward out the windows and I was just making coffee, wandering from equipment to equipment to, to monitor the situation. We were in the open ocean and there was nothing shown in our automatic identification system and nothing on the radar. So I was happy to be a bit chilled about it all. Then I came back to the radar screens and the target was showing on our longer range. S-band. Radar, so I selected it and got the system to track its course and speed, etc. I kept an eye on it from then and asked the lookout to keep an eye out for another vessel on our starboard bow, where it should be coming into visual range in a few minutes. The target then showed up on the X-band radar, so I acquired it on that. I went back to the long-range radar and had a look at the tracking details, and the system was telling me that the other vessel was on a collision course for about 40 minutes' time. I had the target, which I assumed was a vessel, on my starboard bow, so that made me the giveaway vessel in a crossing situation, so I knew what I had to do when it came to it, and wanted to take early action, but I was still weary that neither myself or the lookout had even spotted it yet. I had another look at the IA's auto-eyed system to see if there was anything out there, and it showed nothing. It's not uncommon for AIS to be crappy. Thought nothing of it. I altered my course to starboard to pass astern of the target at the sort of normal distance and got the closest point of approach up to the recommended two miles. Still couldn't see anything, but at this point 
I was happy that I wasn't going to hit it, whatever it was, so we just carried on. After we passed the vessel and the range had increased up to about four miles, it vanished off both radars, just like that, gone. I don't think there was ever a ship. And I explained the situation to the old man the next day, and he was saying it could have been a cloud, but I've never seen that happen with a cloud before. Especially since it was showing a perfect, constant heading and a nice 12.5 knot speed the entire time. The lookout was just saying it was a sign from God, but okay then. Freaked me right out. I used to work security. Several years ago, I was assigned to a remote construction site where a summer camp was being built. It was quite literally in the middle of the woods. Roughly four or five miles into the forest with only a single access road, they'd been using to haul equipment and supplies and such. My job was to provide overnight security doing a foot patrol of the entire area. The patrol covered two miles in all, roughly once every hour and then going back to my post. A tiny wooden shack not much bigger than a phone booth to fill out my logs. Other than the occasional black bears and coyotes, it was a very boring assignment, with one exception. I was doing a routine patrol one night near the end of my shift, around 3 a.m. or so. I just passed the gate where the access road enters the site when I heard an extremely loud, piercing scream that seemed to have come from some distance down the road. It sounded like a woman screaming in absolute terror, so I immediately took off sprinting as fast as I could in that direction. I didn't hear anything else after the initial scream, but about a quarter of a mile or so down the road, guesstimating, I came upon a car parked just off the side of the road. There was no car in sight when I'd come through on my way to my shift, so it had to have been parked there fairly recently. Not running, no lights on, no doors open or anything. I called out to see if anyone was there, but no answer. I looked around the general area, but didn't see anything. Needless to say, I was pretty god-to-sketched out at this point. I ran back to my post and reported what I'd heard seen to the police, since there wasn't really anything else I could do. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, nothing ever really came of it. I never found out whose scream I heard or what caused it. The car was apparently owned by a guy who lived in the area, but I never heard why it was there. My supervisor suggested that maybe I'd heard a mountain lion or other animal screaming, but I've heard those sounds before, and although they're definitely freaky, there's no mistaking an honest. Goodness human scream. I'm Lieutenant Grace Daniels, leader of Navy SEALs Team 6. My team and I have been through hell and back, but nothing could have prepared us for what we faced during our operation against the Akuma cartel. The Ochoas were infamous for their narcotic operations, but intel suggested they were diversifying their portfolio. The shipment we were supposed to intercept wasn't their usual poison. Instead, it was a collection of ancient artifacts, rumored to possess unimaginable power. We struck under the cover of darkness. Our objective was to seize the artifacts and cripple the cartel's operation. The initial resistance was manageable. We had the element of surprise, and we had faced these goons before. The real challenge started when we secured the artifacts. One of the younger SEALs, Rodriguez, 
couldn't resist touching one of the artifacts, a stone tablet etched with symbols that glowed with an eerie internal light. The moment he touched it, the world around us twisted and heaved. Suddenly, we were facing creatures out of nightmare. Monstrous beings materialized out of thin air. Each was unique, terrifying, and clearly not of this world. We opened fire, but our bullets seemed to do nothing. Fall back, I yelled, but it was too late. The creatures were upon us. We fought back, but it was like fighting smoke. They were there, but not there. Bullets passed through them. Grenades exploded with no effect. I remembered the tablet. I ran towards Rodriguez, who was lying on the ground, paralyzed with fear. I snatched the artifact from his grip and shouted at him to snap out of it. The symbols on the artifact pulsed with a light that seemed to respond to my touch. On instinct, I pressed my hand against it and willed the monsters away. The creatures let out an unearthly wail, and like smoke being sucked into a vacuum, they disappeared. It took us a moment to realize that we were still alive, that the monsters were gone. But we didn't have time to recover. We still had a mission. We gathered the artifacts, ensuring that no one else would touch them, and made our way out of the cartel's compound. The mission was a success. We dismantled a significant part of the Ochoa cartel's operation and prevented a potential global catastrophe. But the cost was high. We had lost some good men, and we had seen things that no one should ever see. As we boarded the extraction chopper, I took one last look at the artifacts. Ancient, powerful, and dangerous. We had faced the otherworldly horrors they had unleashed, and we had survived. But I couldn't help but wonder what other dangers were out there, waiting in the shadows. The weekend had finally arrived, and my friends and I set out for a much-needed camping trip in the remote woods of Harrington Forest. We had planned it for months, and the excitement was palpable as we pitched our tents and settled in for the adventure. On our second day, while hiking through the forest, we stumbled upon a mysterious cave hidden beneath a thick canopy of trees. The entrance was almost obscured by tangled vines and overgrown foliage, making it seem as though the cave was beckoning us to discover its secrets. As the unofficial leader of our group, I suggested we explore the cave. It's not every day we find something like this, I said, my curiosity getting the better of me. My friends hesitated at first, but eventually agreed, and we decided to venture inside. We entered the cave cautiously, the darkness gradually swallowing us as we moved further in. The only light came from our headlamps, casting eerie shadows on the damp, rocky walls. The air was damp and musty, and the echo of our footsteps filled the narrow passageways. As we delved deeper into the cave, we felt an increasing sense of unease. It was as if something was watching us from the shadows, following our every move. We tried to shake off the feeling telling ourselves it was just our overactive imaginations. Our journey continued, and we discovered an expansive chamber filled with stunning stalactites and stalagmites. We marveled at the natural wonder, momentarily forgetting the unsettling feeling that had been plaguing us. It was then that we met Jack, the park ranger. He seemed to have appeared out of nowhere, but his presence was strangely comforting. 
Jack was an experienced ranger who knew the area like the back of his hand. He asked us about our intentions and warned us that this particular cave system was known to be treacherous and uncharted. Despite Jack's warnings, we were determined to push on. He agreed to guide us further into the cave, but only after we promised to follow his instructions carefully. As we ventured deeper, the oppressive atmosphere intensified. We felt a presence lurking in the shadows, and the sounds of our breathing and footsteps seemed to be amplified, as if to remind us that we were being watched. Jack led us to another chamber, this one filled with peculiar markings on the walls. They were unlike any cave drawings we had ever seen. The symbols seemed to tell a story of an ancient and powerful entity that had once inhabited the cave. As we stood there, transfixed by the markings, we began to hear an unnerving sound. It was a low, guttural growl echoing through the caverns, sending shivers down our spines. Jack's face turned pale as he whispered, We need to leave. Now. We didn't need any more convincing. We followed Jack back through the winding passages, but the growling grew louder and more menacing, as if the creature from the shadows was gaining on it. Our hearts raced as we scrambled through the darkness, desperately trying to escape the unseen terror. We finally saw the entrance to the cave up ahead, the sliver of daylight offering a beacon of hope. We managed to escape and never come back. I had this old century house in Missouri where it had all of these outbuildings like barns, sheds, and a chicken coop. The whole place always felt weird, but especially the chicken coop. It was so bad my parents didn't even let me within 500 feet of the chicken coop. That area felt like hell and full of dread. What really set stuff off was when me and my cousin saw this skin color, naked humanish figure inside of the old chicken cop through the window. I saw this thing a few times and it always seemed like it was pacing in there. Me and my whole family kept our good distance from that place, so I don't know if it ever noticed or cared about us. The farmhouse was built in Battlefield, Missouri, where a large battle from the Civil War took place, so I think this thing could have been a ghost or spirit of a dead soldier. This can also be further evident by my aunt, who says there was the ghost of a boy wearing a Confederate uniform who was trapped in one of the bathrooms. I was a junior park ranger newly stationed at Yosemite National Park. I had only been on the job for a few weeks, but I was excited to be out in the wilderness, working to protect and preserve one of the most beautiful places on Earth. One morning, I received an emergency call from a camper who had become lost deep in the woods. My supervisor sent me to rescue him, and I eagerly set off on my mission. As I hiked deeper into the forest, the towering trees blocked out the sun, and the only sound was the crunching of my boots on the forest floor. I had been searching for hours when I heard something rustling in the bushes up ahead. I cautiously approached, thinking it might be the lost camper, but what I saw was unlike anything I could have imagined. Standing before me was a creature unlike anything I had ever seen. It was tall and humanoid in shape, but its skin was a mottled dark brown and its eyes were black and soulless. Large, leathery wings protruded from its back, and it had a long, sharp beak that looked capable of tearing flesh. It was a Mothman creature, and it was terrifying. I froze in place, 
unable to move as the creature lunged at me. I managed to dodge out of the way at the last moment, but one of its wings brushed against my arm, leaving a deep gash. I stumbled backwards, my mind racing as I tried to think of a way to defend myself. The creature let out an ear-piercing screech and took flight, disappearing into the trees. I felt a surge of relief that it was gone, but I knew, I knew I needed to get help fast. I reached for my radio, but there was no response when I called for assistance. I was lost in the woods and alone with a monster on the loose. I tried to make my way back to the trailhead, but it was as if the forest was against me. Every time I thought I was getting close, I found myself in a thicket of thorns or a marshy bog. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, and I knew that the creature was out there, stalking me. As the day turned into night and the darkness closed in, my fear turned to desperation. I was lost, injured and alone in the woods with a terrifying creature hunting me. I knew that if I didn't find a way out soon, it was only a matter of time before the Mothman found me. I thought about my family, my friends, my dreams and all the things I would never be able to accomplish. I knew that it was the end for me. The creature killed me, or I will die of hunger and exposure. My fate would remain a mystery. Another unsolved case of a missing park ranger in the wilds of Yosemite. But the Mothman creature, that terrifying being, it would continue to haunt the woods, waiting for its next victim. And for anyone who dared to venture too deep into the wilderness, the memory of my encounter would be a chilling warning of the dangers that lurked in the shadows. Hey there. This encounter isn't mine, but it is my partner's. She has spoken to me many times about this when we exchange weird or scary encounters we've experienced. Hers are always way more exciting than mine, given that she sort of attracts this type of stuff. Anyways... I've asked her if I could post it here on Reddit so she can have some insight or something to help identify this thing or even have people come out and share if they have had a similar encounter with. Enough with my rambling. Here we go. For this, we'll call my partner up. Al was about 14, 15 years old when all this went down. Living in New Mexico, we aren't strangers to weird sightings and whatnot skinwalkers, spirits, etc. But it's still very... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Frightening. 
She lived in a trailer park outside of Farmington and in the middle of Kirkland, if that makes sense. This trailer park was practically in the middle of nowhere next to the hills, as well call them, and more so specifically for her because her trailer was in the very last row of the trailer park. It was next to, to a little playground which then lead to empty hills. That'll be important for later. Before the whole sighting she had, there were some weird occurrences prior to that. This all happened around February-June in 2015. All would hear taps on her window, specifically three loud taps like someone was banging on her on it. She said that you could tell it was still a little tap, since she could hear a nail or fingernails, if you will. One night, while staying up late and playing video games June, Elle eventually got sick and tired of hearing those taps every single night around 1-2 a.m. She had decided to look out her window to see what it was. She thought it could have been a tree or maybe a random druggie, but oh boy, no it wasn't. After she lifted the makeshift curtain blanket, she didn't have blinds. A saw, a hunched gray-skinned humanoid thing. It was very thin and bony, having very long appendages. The way it was hunched was as if someone was sneaking outside their friend's window, tapping it to get their friend's attention without getting caught. Its arm was retracting back as if it had just finished its tapping. Its hands had three fingers, long and bony, just like everything else about. The best way it can describe the way they looked would be think of a long finger that's sharp at the end, like wooden stake that would be used to kill a vampire. Not exactly like claws, but not like a human finger either. Kind of like Salad Fingers Fingers. I think that's his name. It's face. Looked very stretched like it would fall off at any point. Its mouth was stuck into this creepy grimace that perfectly showed its sharp, jagged teeth. Think of like a shark tooth or a thick, broken beer bottle glass. It didn't really have a nose, just the slits in the middle like Voldemort. The eyes were big, hollow holes, black and just an endless void that cover up the majority of the upper part of its head. When it saw, it stood up to its full height and stepped. Not jumped, stepped over her seven-foot backyard fence and walked towards the playground I had mentioned earlier. The whole time it hobbled towards that direction. Multiple dogs in that area were going haywire, barking and growing like an intruder was walking about. A was freaked out, obvious, and stepped away from the window and went about the rest of her night, terrified. A couple days later, specifically the day she turned fifteen, I heard another tap on her bedroom window that night which she had ignored. A couple hours later, I woke up to the sound of something scratching her closet door from the inside. A at this time had no animals in the house. Hearing the scratching, she booked it out her room and slept in the living room that night. No incidents had occurred for a week after that, until one day. I was home alone. Her sister and mom had gone grocery shopping and wouldn't be home for a few hours. Being a teenager home alone, she was playing her video games in her room when she heard a voice somewhere in the house that sounded like her sister was calling her name. So assuming that they were back from grocery shopping, I left her room thinking her sister was calling her to help put up the groceries, but she found no one in the house. The car was still gone. Elle went back to her room dismissing what she heard and chalked it up to her imagination. Thirty minutes later, she heard it again. 
Previously, while looking, she checked every single room besides one. Her sister's room, which always unsettled her, and she was told to keep out of it, obviously, so she didn't bother looking in there. That's where the voice was coming from. As soon as I stepped through the door and turned on the light, she felt an unsettling presence in the air. The voice called out again, and it sounded garbled and echoey, kinda like it was reverbed. Uh, automatically knew it was coming from the bathroom, specifically the shower. So she closed the bathroom door and walked backwards, making sure to keep her eyes on the door to make sure it wouldn't swing back open and whoever this was wasn't charging at her. Turning off the bedroom light, eyes still trained on that door, and shutting the bedroom door as well. Turning around and noticed that the back door was wide open, her stomach dropped and a chill ran up her spine. Nausea bubbled up in her gut as everything was setting in. Someone was in the, the house, or rather something. She slammed the back door shut and bolted back to her room, locking her door behind her. Being so mortified to put headphones in to drown out any more noise of whatever was there could make and resumed her video games as a distraction. That was the last encounter a has ever had with whatever this thing was. She thinks the creature outside her window was the one in her closet scratching the door and house mimicking her sister. I don't doubt that, but in my head the mimicking thing sounds more like a skinwalker. I'm Native American and have grown up with those stories as my dad has had some experience with them, so naturally that's what it sounds to me, but I don't know. I also believes it could be some extraterrestrial being like an alien or something. Nothing else has happened besides a few unrelated supernatural encounters for her butt. She feels terrified if anything reminds her of this experience. It sends her into a more primal fear fight or flight mode that verges on a borderline panic attack. Every time I hear this story, personally, it makes me want to crap bricks. Sorry for my writing skills, I'm not best storyteller, and I hope this post follows the guidelines because I really want other people to hear this and help connect with others who maybe had a similar experience to hers. Feel free to ask any questions and I'll answer them. There's a bit more detail to this story, but I chose to summarize it. Thanks for reading. My buddy is not a hunter, but spent a lot of time in the Los Padres forest looking for rock art sites. Which is probably equal to, if not more difficult, than hunting deer in these parts. He's about ten years older than myself and first told me this story when I was barely out of high school. The story struck me as a young man, and I never forgot it. One Friday, he and the buddy left from work into the local backcountry for the weekend. They were going to camp out of the truck that evening and in the morning head out in search of another cave painting that had been eluding him. Before sunset, they pulled into a primitive campground. There was a group of four young dudes already at the campground, so my friends drove by giving a nod of acknowledgement. There's only a handful of campsites, so they picked the furthest from the other group, maybe 100 yards away. While setting up camp and getting a fire going, they can hear the other dude shooting a brake barrel pellet rifle and laughing, goofing off pretty obnoxiously. No one else shows up to the campground that night. After dark, my buddies were sitting silently around the fire and smoking a little reefer. 
Pretty late into the night, they were still up with the fire and could hear the other group. Then suddenly the other group gets real quiet in the midst of their late-night ass-grab session. The two of them don't say a word to each other, but listen intently. After a short while, they can hear something sneaking through the brush between the campsites. My friend had no protection on himself besides a surefire light. The other friend only had a large stick that he'd been using to manage the fire. Without a word, they slowly backed away from the light of the flame with a little dispersion between themselves and waited for what was coming. After a few minutes, they can tell it's someone trying to be sneaky. Finally, the source of the sound slowly breaks into the light of the fire. A young man carrying a pellet rifle at the ready and following behind him his three buddies. They all appear very tense and not at all jovial like they'd been at their own sight. As they come forward into my friend's campsite, he waits till they're adjacent to his companion, holding the big stick in the shadows. Then he blasts them with the surefire, holding the light directly on their faces. Everyone freezes, not a peep from anyone. The intruders are totally blinded by the light, but my friend can see his buddy beside them with the stick raised over his shoulder like he's about to hit a grand slam. They stand off in silence for what probably felt like an eternity, until one of the guys in the back of the line chokes out. Hey, we don't want any problem, no response, and the light stays fixed on them. We smelt your smoke and thought you might share some. Still nothing but a light to look at. Finally from the same dude. Okay, we'll leave them. And the three in the rear start to back out, but the good old point man stands firm looking tough. One of his compadres says, Simon, homie, let's bounce. It's not worth it. After a few more seconds, he relents, and they all slink back into the dark. Needless to say, after the gang retreated, my friends immediately packed their shit and left the area. While I realize being unarmed and smoking reefer when you're in the backcountry may not be the wisest choice, I still think they handled the situation pretty nicely and used what they had to their maximum advantage. Despite being outgunned in every way, my friend thinks those boys thought he might be asleep, since him and his friend hadn't made any noise in hours. And regardless, those four dudes did not have good intentions. This one happened to me in the early 2010s and admittedly did not happen on the Navajo reservation, but it did take place on another reservation nearby. One night, me and a friend were chilling at his house playing games and decided to go out for some late-night food. Being that it was past midnight, the only option was the 24-hour McDonald's. After getting our food, we decided to just cruise around the back roads for fun. The area we were driving wasn't well known to us since we were driving on another tribe's land, but my friend had a general sense of where he was going. The road we were on led us out to the middle of nowhere. We finally stopped and pulled over on top of this big mesa where the road went down in a snake-like pattern. It was nighttime, like I said, but you could still see a long way off in the distance from our little vantage point, including house lights in the distance where the road led. After getting out of the car, I walked closer to the edge of this overlook point and started howling and screaming to hear my echo. I did that for a few minutes before I walked to the very edge and looked down. I saw a light from a window just below me close enough to where I could have thrown a stone and hit it. I distinctly remember the light. 
looking like it was from a candle with the flickering but definitely wasn't dim like a candle would be. I also recall that the window sill portion was made of stone and looked like an adobe house. Since I was higher up an angle, I couldn't see inside the window and I couldn't make out what the house looked like in general. All I saw was a light coming from a window. At that point, I turned to my friend and said something like, Dude, there's a house just right there as I pointed to it. We'd better get out of here before they call the cops on us for screaming my friend. Looked over and saw the light from the window, too. He laughed and agreed, so we both got in his car and split. Nothing spooky or creepy even crossed my mind that night. Just that I may have scared someone in their house with my screaming. A few weeks later, me and the same friend went cruising around again, but this time during the day. We visited the same area and pulled over to look at the view. I went back to the edge of the mesa and looked over, but to my surprise, there was nothing there. Not only was there no sign of the house, but a house couldn't have been built there in the first place. It was way too steep and rocky. Just boulders, sand, and weeds. I relayed this info to my friend, and he looked over the edge, too. And that's when we both were like, what the F did we see that night, then? My story ends years later when I met and befriended a co-worker who lived and grew up on the reservation where that Mesa Overlook was. We began trading scary stories. That guy had some crazy shit he experienced out there. And I told him about seeing the adobe house at night that wasn't there in the daytime. He laughed and said something like, Dude, you saw the witch house? I asked him to explain, and he said that the area I was in was known for being a spot that people stay away from at night. Apparently, witches hang out there now and then. There and there is a small adobe house on that cliffside, but it's very small. Like something your average person would have to crawl to get into. He doesn't know much more than that, but says he knew plenty of stories of people seeing it lit up at night. So that's my true story about seeing a possible witch house. Just like half skinwalkers or Navajo witches, there are other similar witches for other tribes. I don't know the name given to the one I saw, but it's a cool little story to have in my pocket. I posted this a couple hours ago and someone told me to look into crawlers. If anyone knows if a crawler would target a person or people, please tell me. I'm thinking if it is, there's something in my area drawing them here. I always have a uneasy and malicious feeling whenever I go to this one line of houses behind some trees that surround me. Here's the original post. So I've had a slight problem around my house for a bit over a year. I'm in a southern town in Michigan, and I live right next to the woods. My house is less than a meter away from the trees. I'm surrounded by it for nearly a mile on each side if we're not counting the road. Last year in October, I was outside with a couple friends at about 11 p.m. at night. We were near a park down the street, and suddenly a large black mass comes out of the darkness. It was a dog I figured, but oddly tall, about up to my shoulders. For reference, I'm five feet six, and stood about six feet away. It had a deep bark, and we, of course, ran. This happened for the next few nights anywhere near the park. <laughs> The only time I saw its eyes was the last night. They were green and reflected like a lamp. May I add, every time this happened, it didn't matter if we literally had a light straight on it, we couldn't see its features or anything. 
The park is fairly well lit, too. Another odd instance was when my friend and I were on a walk again. About 4 a.m. in December of 2020, roughly a couple months after, we had sat down at a mailbox. I had a bad feeling and felt the need to go back fast, but my friend needed a break. We had been walking for a bit, so we didn't go. Less than two minutes later, we hear this human-like scream from all around us. It sounded like it was traveling in a circle, getting closer. It had a gurgling and odd tone to it that made me think it wasn't human. Either way, we ran back. I figured it was coyotes or something, so I researched some of the animals' crawls from near me. None got even close to matching. In February this year, my sister was out with a couple others. They had stopped at that same park again to chill for a bit around 2 a.m., and heard that same high-pitched scream-gurgle sound from all around them, and once again bolted home. Everything was chill for a bit, up until early October, late September-ish. My sister and I went on a walk to get the mail around 9 p.m. On our way back, I said we should walk faster, and she agreed, having a bad feeling as well. We suddenly heard what sounded like a cracking caw from a bird, at an ear-bleeding frequency that was so loud the street light in that area went out for a second as well. I told myself it was a bird, but the only thing was is that the birds in my area were gone at this point. Literally last week, late October, around 8 p.m., I was taking a walk with a friend to watch the sunset. We had walked over to another subdivision a bit away from us and went to the park there after walking for about 45 minutes. My friend was persistent on going so against. My better judgment I did. They sat in the gazebo for a moment, but I couldn't keep my guard down. And it seemed like something was by the trees. I take a closer look and see a creature that's pure white speeding towards us. It was running weird, but that's all I could say. It looked like something was rotating on it. Either way, we bolted, got home about 30 minutes later. The reason I'm even posting this for help is because it's getting out of hand about an hour ago. Early November, 8 p.m., my sister friend and I went to go for a walk. I had a rotten pumpkin and my mom told me to go throw it in the woods. We walked to the back to do so and we see a large white figure speeding past us just behind the trees. I want to say it was a deer, but it was too large and white to be one. I just need to know what this is. It's been terrorizing me and everyone around me for a while. I've even looked into calling an expert, but I don't know what I'd say. Help. I did something really creepy once. I rode dirt bikes a lot when growing up. One summer day, I was riding a long way out 15 miles from civilization, and my chain broke, so I get to walk home 15 miles. So I get to walk home 15 miles. All I'm wearing is jeans and boots. It's 95 degrees and I'm covered in sweat and dirt and look like I came out of a coal mine. After an hour of walking back, I'm at a point in the trail that crosses a shallow part of a large creek. Right in the middle of the creek, a jeep is parked. A teenage couple were making out. This is the only way through. So I'm thinking walk for three more hours or... So I casually strolled up and said, hey, what's up? They were not expecting that. Oddly enough, after we talked, they gave me a ride home. 
I felt bad because I'm pretty sure I torpedoed their date, plus I got mud sweat all over the back seat fabric of his brand new Jeep Wrangler. They were probably happy just to be alive, though. Maybe they will post their version if they read this. <laughs>